Welcome to the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Our current sermon series, Shining the Light, is celebrating 50 years of ministry at Mount Carmel Christian Church, looking back at everything that God has done through us and in us. Today's speaker is Senior Minister Didi Bacon. So July is uh, birthday month for the Mount Carmel Christian Church, and July 2018 is our 50 years birthday, 50 years old. Pretty cool, huh? I don't know. You, you guys don't look 50 years old. But anyway, uh, so last week we were reminded of our roots. We were reminded as we kind of looked back on the first 10 years, we were reminded of where we came from. We were reminded that our church was started by young families who were captivated, were captured by an extraordinary vision that was provided by an extraordinary God, though they were ordinary people like you and me. And we were reminded that, that the purpose behind that was that these folks were, were captured by a belief that whoever believes in Jesus will have the light of the world, that whoever believes and follows him will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. Last week we heard a, a testimony from one of the original couples, Charlie and Shirley Henderson, reminisced on those early days and shared with us uh, just some of the goings-on, some of the story from, from their recollections. Charlie said that it was about loving Jesus, being faithful, and loving each other. And in the first 10 years, they grew from about 60 people to a couple of hundred. They moved from meeting in the Glen Esty Junior High at the time to a farmhouse on Mount Carmel, Tabasco Road, on the property there to a new church building that was started to build in 1973, completed in 1974. At that time, the first church was known as the Clough Heights Church of Christ, and in 1977, they decided to change the name to Mount Carmel Church of Christ. Now, the minister that served during most of that time was a man named Eldon Howard. Eldon and his wife, Barb, came to, church when, came to the Mount Carmel Church when she was three years old. Brian McGee and I had the privilege to visit Eldon and Barb just in their place just outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and we captured that visit on video. Please enjoy. Good morning, Mount Carmel. I have a very special person here to introduce to you. As we go through our Shining the Light, Celebrating 50 Years of Ministry series, uh, I want to introduce to you Eldon Howard. Eldon Howard was the third minister for us as a church. Uh, he came to join our church in 1972 and served until 1983, 11 years. Mm -hmm. uh, what's your fondest memories of your time, those 11 years, what are your fondest memories uh, of your ministry with us at Mount Carmel? Build, building the church. Building the church. Yes. Yes. We went, we, we, we started off by uh, plowing a fir with an old uh, uh, plow, mm -hmm. and Don Bird was pushing that thing, and we had about 60 people with a rope pulling it. <laughs> so we had 60 horsepower. <laughs> before I come to Mount Carmel, I preached in a little country church called New Antioch. Mm -hmm. But before that, I was a farmer. And uh, I farmed a thousand acres of corn, had 160 beef cattle, and 1,200 hogs my last year on the farm. And I sold it all and went to ministry. I enjoy people. 
Jim Maddox was one of the best workers I ever had. Or since he was a Christian, he changed his life completely. And uh, he was just, just, just an amazing man. Ray Dalton was a, a good man. And uh, he and Joanne, Sandy and Howard Parr, started the uh, death ministry. I'm amazed at the people that was there when I was there and uh, is still there. I had a good time at Mount Carmel. I really did. Uh, went to camp one day, one week, married, baptized 22 people, 230 weddings while I was at Mount Carmel. I've had 50 years of fun and this all began with you guys. I, I just really appreciate you at Mount Carmel, and you're the highlight of my ministry. It's been great. Uh, I've kept up with you, and uh, it's, a, it's, it's been enjoyable to see some of our young people at that time being elders today. Yeah. I just want to say, Howard, uh, on behalf of Mount Carmel now, yes. 50 years old, um, and Barb, who's behind the scenes, I want to say thank you. And thank you for your service, and thank you for your faithfulness, and thank you for your courage. Uh, ordinary folks with extraordinary faith uh, seeking to do things because they love Jesus, they want to be faithful, and they uh, want to love each other. They love Jesus, and they love each other. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes the church grow. Yes, sir. Jesus described how his followers ought to live in this world. And he used these words and found in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He said, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. As I reflect on the first 10 years of our history, it was no doubt an exciting time. Well, the folks then strived to live out these words of Jesus. They wanted to let the light shine to our community. They wanted to bring the good news of God's love to those who were living in a bad news world. But it wasn't easy. It was a struggle. Not too long ago, my wife and I decided that it was time to cut down the huge trees that were in the front part of our yard. These trees were maples, and they had grown fairly large and one was growing out of control, and the other was looking like it was starting to be diseased a bit. And I worried that all it took was one of those crazy Cincinnati storms, and I was going to have a tree firmly planted in the front of my house, crashing down. And so we had the trees cut. They were cut down, and the stumps were grounded out, and, and then we planted grass. And so the front part of our yard was opened up. And we had that for a time, and we looked at it, and we were like, ah, we just don't like that. Shannon didn't like that, so we decided it's time to plant another tree. And so we got ourselves a young sapling. I think it's a, it's a red cherry tree. I don't know what it is, but it's a beautiful little tree that we got young. And 
with the counsel of Shannon's dad. He's a tree guy. He told us what we needed to do to plant it so it would flourish. And so we planted the tree and we, we kept the, the pole that was with it in order to protect it because when it's young, it's vulnerable. And we followed the instructions that Shannon's dad gave us to a T. In fact, we're still following it because the tree's still growing. While the tree's young, it's vulnerable. And I just love that tree. It's beginning to flourish. We'll sit on our front porch, Shannon, me, and the dog, Zeke, our dog, Zeke. And we'll, I'll just love looking at the tree. It's just a beautiful young tree, but it's still vulnerable. I hate Japanese beetles. Two weeks ago, I noticed swarms of Japanese beetles around our little tree. Those Japanese beetles eat and make a mess. When I used to grow roses, I used to hate them so much, I would gain pleasure in plucking them off the rose and squishing them with a pin or putting them into a can of gas and letting them die a slow death. Had to reserve the, the, the urge to throw a match in there and just burn them. I hate Japanese beetles. And there were swarms of Japanese beetles around Chan and I. We're like, oh, no, what are we going to do? They're starting to eat our young tree, our beautiful young tree. And so we had to purchase the spray, and we sprayed them, and the Japanese beetles aren't bugging them. And it was a reminder that even though this tree's growing well, it's still vulnerable. Why? Because it's young. It's young. In these years of establishment, the tree is vulnerable. Well, what's true for our tree was true for our church. In the early years, while we experienced new growth, in the early years, while we experienced exciting growth and new things, the young church was vulnerable. In the first 10 years, it was shooting up growth, new buildings, new property, great works of God. And then in the second 10 years, 1978 to 1988, the church had to deal with Struggle. Struggle against the, with the one thing that destroys churches. The one thing that undermines the work of God through the church. Struggle against disunity. You see, unity is the key that unlocks the power of God through the church. And the enemy knows that if he can cause division in the church the church's work will be affected. Now, I know this because I read Scripture, and I come to the story of Jesus. And the story of Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, and in the Gospel of John, Jesus, before he was about to be handed over, before he was about to be crucified, before he was about to be raised from the dead, Jesus offered up a prayer. Really, it is the Lord's Prayer. What we call the Lord's Prayer is really the example of how we're to pray. This is the Lord's Prayer. This is Jesus' prayer. He first prays for himself so that he might have the strength to do what he's called to do. Then he prays for his apostles, the guys that, that he's invested three years in to, to be the ones who will be carrying the ministry once he is resurrected from the dead and the Spirit comes. And then he prays for the church. He prays for those who will come to faith through the work of the apostles. And so if we make that application, you connect all the dots. Jesus prays for you and for me, the members of the church today, Mount Carmel Christian Church. And guess what he prays? 
This is the prayer of Jesus for you and for me. He says this, my prayer is not for them alone. And so he's talking now, he's transitioning from his, his prayer for the apostles. And he says, my prayer is not for them alone. My, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. Jesus says, I pray that they be one. And we see here the will and working of God, that when the church is one, one with Jesus and one with each other, what happens? The world will know that you have sent me. The church is able to shine the light of God's love to the world when we're one. Move along in our Bible and we look into the testimony of the book of Acts. The book of Acts is the history of the first church. In the book of Acts, we have a picture of exactly what God intended the church to be because it's right there at the beginning, in the first few days, the first few months, in the first years of the church. Acts chapter 4. We see a description of how the church operated, which tells me this is how the church needs to operate still. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his, their possessions was their own, but they, start, they shared everything they had. All the believers were in, what? One in heart and mind. It's one of my all-time favorite scriptures of the church. This is God, church as God intended. Believers were one in heart and mind. They were totally committed in their passion and to the strategy, to the work of God, of loving God and loving people, being followers of Jesus. Move further along in our Bibles and we come to a letter written by a man named Paul, the apostle. Paul was given the specific task by Jesus to take the message of Jesus to those who are not Jews, Gentiles. And so Paul is the first great missionary of the church. And in that, we have a lot of his teachings where he's giving counsel and directives on how they're to live as Jesus followers in the world. And listen to what he says in his letter to the Ephesians. Verse 3 of chapter 4. Make every effort... Every one of you that are Jesus followers, make every effort to do what? To keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And this is his reason why. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Jesus prayed that we would be one. In the book of Acts, the church, born, brand new, go, doing th great feats of miraculous work for God, was described as what? Being people who were of one heart and mind. And the Apostle Paul, writing to the church, to folks like you and me, in the first century, but still true for us today, still applicable for us today, he says, make every effort in order to be the church, make every effort, make it a commitment, make it a part of what you do to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Why? Because we are one. And when the church is one, 
When the church is unified, one with Jesus, one with each other, we see the release of the power of God to shine the light of the world, to shine the love of Jesus. See, division and infighting and power struggles and gossip and all the things that break relationship and cause uh, things to get ugly in church, those things undermine that. And as I review the history of Mount Carmel Christian Church, I see that particularly through 1978 to 1988, having talked to people that were there, having looked at the records, having knowing the story, I see that this was the big struggle to be one. And I'm so thankful for the courageous leadership, shepherd leadership, godly leadership of individuals who chose to be obedient to the call of Scripture, to fight for unity and do the tough calls of standing against disunity and practices that led to that. Looking at the history, I know there were moments where I would say it was touch and go for our church. Touch and go, but God, by His Spirit, worked things to protect the church, to nurture the church, to bring about the unity of spirit that releases God's work through the church. I'm so thankful for the members that stuck with the church, that took Paul's call to be one. They took it from their head to their heart to their hands and made every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And I'm so thankful that we have their testimony. Though we might say there was kind of a dark time, really, not really. It was a time where the light of God was shone brightly through struggle. And it's a reminder to you and to me, not only of the, scripture, the scriptural mandate that we've received, but also a reminder that we're called to do the same today. Every single one of us who call this church family our church home are called to do our part to make every effort to keep the bond of peace, to be one, to be unified. See, if we want to be part of a church that's being used by God to make a difference in the world, if we want to be a church that is as God intended, the church that, that jumps from our pages of our New Testament, if we want our church home to be faithful to the purposes of God, if we want to see the Spirit of God work through our church in our unique and, and individual way, if we want to be the light of the community, we have to recognize our responsibility to take this mandate to heart, to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We have to commit ourselves to love God and to love others. We got to learn to, to, to learn how to live Scripture in a way that fosters unity and blesses others. We have to understand that unity is not uniformity. We're not a cult demanding that everyone be the same, believe the same, operate the same. No, to be unified is not to be all the same, not to be mindless drones, but instead to capture the biblical mandate that says God's Spirit has placed a clear call for unity that embraces the diversity that He has created in each of us, our diversity of personality, our backgrounds, our gifts, our philosophy. 
And recognize that unity is achieved through obedience, through submitting first to God and then to one another. To be obedient to God, to be obedient to Jesus, is to fulfill the one command he gives. Love God and to love others. Love others is demonstrated in what he did for the cross. Sometimes, many times, I have to wash the feet of my brother and sister. I have to serve. I have to put aside my own comfort levels. I have to sacrifice the things that I have that I want for the benefit and blessing of another. To be in one heart means that each of us must first commit our hearts to God, to His purposes, to His word, to His will. To be a people of the Bible, not the people of popular opinion and personal preferences. To be about His heart, seeking to save the lost. And understand that our calling, our family business, our family responsibility is to share Jesus Christ with the world because He is the light of the world. Whoever follows Him will not walk in darkness but have the light of life. To commit ourselves to grow in our passion of being Jesus' followers in life, which is called discipleship. To be one in mind means that we have to be committed to our church's mission, our unique mission as a church. Our calling is the same. Our calling is based in Scripture. The truths of the Bible do not change, but our application, our opportunities are unique to us. To be one in mind means that we're committed to the mission of the church that we say is our church home. To do our part. To not be a fan of Mount Carmel, but to be a family member of Mount Carmel. To change our language and our thinking that when we commit to this church, we stop talking about they, the church, and we start talking about we, the church, us. And any problems that we're encountering are not the problems for the leadership to fix, but are problems for all of us to fix and to address. To say, this is my church family, and I'm going to take responsibility to fulfill my family responsibility. How do we do this? Practical examples. Pray for the church. Pray for the members of the church. Pray for the people in need. Pray for the shepherds of the church. Pray for the people in your small group. Be a prayer warrior for the church. Give yourself to support the church by sharing the gifts that God has blessed you with, intended to bless others. That may be your money. Definitely is your money. Definitely is your time. Definitely is your skills. Definitely is your gifts. Remember the... Gifts of the Spirit are not activated until we say yes to service. Support the work of the church. Give yourselves to make relational investments in fostering friendships within your church community that enhances your faith. Because God did not intend that you walk alone, and He's placed you in this church for a purpose. And if you deny participation in the church, you're not only denying yourself, you're actually denying others who need to hear your story and be encouraged by your words and be blessed by you. One of the things that we have to deal with is the fact that we are experiencing some fantastic growth. When we moved from, from our old location on Mount Carmel, Tabasco Road in 2015 to now, we've jumped 30% in numbers, which is awesome. But it's also got its issues. One of the issues is it's hard to keep people in the know. We do our best. We have our website. We have a communications director. We, 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 
make, have a, something where you can sign up and get a newsletter on email. We have our Twitter account, our Instagram, and our, and our Facebook. Those are all opportunities that you can communicate. But none of that works until each of us takes responsibility to do our part to be in the know. There's even a calendar of events now printed on the, in the Welcome Center that you can pick up and see what's going on in the summer. But none of this works until each of us takes responsibility to be in the know and then to share with others that need to know so that they can also be in the know. Truth be told, no matter with all our technology, with all the stuff we have that makes mass communication possible, the way people get to know stuff is because someone they trust and know tells them about it, right? So if you're part of a ministry at church, take it upon yourself to let those that are your friends and connections about it. Tell them about it. Don't assume someone else is going to say it. Assume that you're called to say it. So say it. Invite them. If you have an event at church and you're going to be excited about it, invite your friends. Get on the phone and say, hey, come. Be with me. I'll meet you at the door. These people aren't weird. They accepted me. So, hey, I'm in. All right? Come. They are good people. If there's a ministry opportunity and you think someone that you're witnessing to will perhaps prefer coming with you to serve before they come to part in church, then invite them. Tell them. Tell them the time. Tell them the date. Because you're involved, you provide opportunity for them to be involved because you personally invited them. That's how the world works. That's how things are done. That's what it means to be part of the family. Support leadership. The shepherds of the flock, whether it be small group leaders, ministry leaders, deacons, staff members, elders, understand that these folks are striving to serve God by fulfilling a calling. You can bless them by supporting them in prayer and encouragement. You can bless them by speaking up if something is out of whack. Something happens that you might not like, something happens that is a mistake. Who is honored if you don't say anything? Who is blessed if you keep your comments to yourself or you make snide remarks about them and you talk about the issue, not to the person who can fix the issue? Who's honored if you make some comment on a, on a card that's anonymous? Who's honored? I love, love, love getting emails, getting notes where someone says, hey, I've got this issue, I have a question about this, and they put their name on it. Why? Because now there's ministry happening. Now the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace is preserved. Now I have a name and a face and a context, and I can talk specifics, and I can hear, and I can be heard in a conversation regarding issues. If you have a problem, speak up with confidence. Speak up with confidence, assuming the best while scoping out the facts. Too many times we assume what we know a person's motive is, and we work ourselves into a, a negative lather because we're so mad because we assume they were doing this. A lot of times, it's not the case. You're better off assuming the best while scoping out the facts, and if you discover that things weren't good or the motives were bad, well, then you can deal with that then. But in order to preserve the unity of peace... We have to give ourselves to practices that foster unity. And that means we have to deal with the dysfunctions of our church family by dealing with one another in a healthy way. Speak the truth in love means that we speak about hard things in a manner that builds, not destroys, in a manner that's beneficial, in a manner that actually helps 
not hurts. We're a family without issues. To have unity that God intended for our church requires that we all take it upon ourselves to work hard, first submitting to God and then to each other so that we might love. Why? Because when the church is one, when the church is unified, God works through it. My prayer is not for them alone, Jesus said. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. You know, when Jesus prayed that prayer, he was praying for the Mount Carmel Christian Church. He was praying for the Clough High Church of Christ, which became the Mount Carmel Church of Christ. He was praying that unity was achieved even in those years of struggle. And God answered the prayer, and our church family responded. And that prayer remains in effect for us today. and requires from us a commitment in order to be the answer to that prayer, a commitment to be obedient to the call to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace at the Mount Carmel Christian Church. Will you do your part? Please stand. Let's pray together. I'm going to ask our... Elders, our guys, members of our prayer team, come down, and they're going to be available to pray with you in person after we pray together. If you have a question about faith, if you have a decision regarding faith, you can share that with them, and they will direct you where you need to go to find the answer, to find the response. Let's pray together. Lord, I ask that we might be mindful of your prayer for us to be one. Help us to love one another. It's hard sometimes because some of us are difficult to love. That's why we need your power. We need to appreciate grace. We need to remember the story of the servant who was forgiven much, had a hard time forgiving his fellow servant little. And Jesus said, can't be. Appreciate what you've been forgiven and be a forgiver of others. Help us to remember that story. Help us to take that lesson. Help us to be people who promote peace. Help Mount Carmel to be one heart and one mind, to be described as a place where individual diversity of, of, of personality and individual diversity of preference and, and gifting are all appreciated because every one of us are willing to submit first to God and then to each other. And in that, we see the release of the power of the work of the church through the Spirit the shining of the light to our community so that those who need to know Jesus will know Jesus. Help us to be one, Lord, as you prayed. Help us to be one with you as you were with the Father and one with each other in love. Through Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can interact with us online at our website, www.mtcarmelchurch.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.